This is Stories from Palestine podcast, the podcast made in Palestine and about Palestine. I'm Crystal, a Dutch woman married to a Palestinian. We live in Beit Safafa, between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Usually this podcast has episodes about history, cultural heritage and activities in Palestine. But obviously these days people are looking more for updates on the current situation. Last episode you could hear Palestinians from different parts of Palestine talking about the context and historical background of the current events. I asked some of the same and some other friends around Palestine to give an update and to tell us what happened yesterday during the national strike. The call for this strike did not come from a political party, but from the people themselves, united to protest against the police violence, the settler violence, the attacks on Gaza, the dispossession, violence, racism and discrimination that they have experienced since the State of Israel was created in 1948. It was the first time since 1936 that all Palestinians joined a national strike. In 1936, it was a strike against the policy of the British mandate that was obviously supporting the Zionist movement. And as far as I can tell from all the people I spoke to and the different media outlets that I follow, a vast majority of the Palestinians in the West Bank and within the Green Line respected the strike. My brother-in-law told me that some Palestinians were told that if they would not come to work, they would lose their jobs. But the call for the strike was very strong. And I saw a video, it was taken in Beit Shemesh, of a construction site where none of the cranes were working because their Palestinian operators had not come to work. A number of super farms, which is an Israeli drugstore chain, remained closed because of the fact that most of the employees and the pharmacists are Palestinian. So the strike was definitely felt all over the country. Many Palestinians took part in protests all over the country. And you will hear an update from several Palestinians from different parts of Palestine. Like last episode, I asked them to send me a voice recording and I made a compilation of the messages. We will start with Nader, whom I met in the Netherlands, where he lives since more than 11 years. He's from Gaza and he's visiting his family for the first time since 11 years. And he found himself not being able to celebrate the end of the Ramadan, but rather being under a constant attack. He is in the middle of Gaza City. And every morning I wait anxiously for him to reply my messages on WhatsApp. For today, I'm hearing the whole time explosions all over the city. It's close to the north. You might hear it now while I'm talking to you. I'm not sure. I have maybe to stand close to the window. Uh, the whole day we are hearing those uh, those airplanes where it can just like scanning the whole sky, you know, just uh, controlling Gaza and then they checking Gaza from the sky by those like drones. It's not drones, but it is a small airplane where they have cameras and they can just like see everything, what's happening around. Last night, my second sister, my oldest sister, she came with her children. 
She has three daughters and two sons. They came also in our house. So now I have two of my sisters are staying in this in the house where I'm staying with my parents. Um, I also told you previously that I have another sister. She came at the beginning of the attack. She came with two of her children and her husband went to their aunt and he took the rest of their children with him. Um, the house now is really packed. So I have, luckily I have my own room because, you know, I'm visiting for a long time and then, yeah, they bought me there. The children, they sleep in my room with me in the room because they don't have space in the other rooms. And, uh, yeah, I start to feel like more concerned about their, their house because now the, the house is really packed and you really don't want to have our house attacked by randomly as it happened already like last week. I really hope the situation will cool down because my family are really so much against what's happening. And they really want this war to be ended, to spend time with me, you know, and also I see them. We didn't enjoy uh, Eid al-Fatr. It's very sad, like it's gone and we didn't even realize that that Eid came and we didn't, uh, we were unable to, to do anything or even see each other. It was just a war and it was like very aggressive, crafter, as it was not like before. The explosions are so strong. Yazin al Zubaydi is a youth activist from Bethlehem. I asked him to tell us about the strike and the protests that happened in the West Bank. Yesterday we witnessed one of the, I can call it a phenomena, that Palestinian people in historical Palestine were committed to a general strike. The strike was a natural outcome, actually, of, of the situation happening the moment in uh, in Palestine. For the very first time, the message was that we are one people, and we feel for each other, and we are one unit. Even though the Israeli authorities and the military tried in several times to separate the Palestinians, with all the apartheid tools that they have with a wall, checkpoints, even having laws specific for the Palestinians living in Israel, all their attempts failed. I think this is a natural outcome of the oppression that we are facing as Palestinians. In the West Bank, we saw that young children, women, youth, old people going out for demonstration to say their words with thousands of people in Ramallah, in Bethlehem, Hebron, Nablus, Jenin, uh, Jericho, um, all the West Bank. The people went into demonstrations uh, with thousands of people to say that we are one people. And this is natural since the 7th of May until now we have 241 martyrs with 7,802 wounded between uh, women, children, elderly, and adults. In West Bank, there is, until now, 26 martyrs, between them four children, and 5,164 wounded. In Gaza, we have 219 martyrs, between them 63 children, 36 women, and 1,530 wounded. In Jerusalem also we have one martyr. It's very important to highlight that 
for the very first time that we are as Palestinians, we are moving as one unit. And this will irritate the Israeli government for a long time. Rami is from Jaffa. He's a history teacher and tour guide, and you've heard him in previous episodes. I asked him about the current situation in Jaffa and about the strike on Tuesday, the 18th of May. Yesterday, 18th of May, Jaffa struck together with the whole Palestinian cities and villages from north to the south. And at five o'clock, we had a very big demonstration, hundreds of Jaffa residents, and also included Jewish activists as a minority, of course. They participated with us. The international press covered uh, the event, and it was so successful demonstration, mostly in Arabic, but there were also speeches in French and in English, few words, not speeches. And it was very successful uh, uh, day. Uh, most of the citizens respected the strike, and most of the shops closed and stroke. And this was the first time that Jaffa actually stroke almost 100%, and it was a successful strike. Since 1936, the big strike in 1936 against the British mandate and politics. But that strike was very strong and was uh, much more longer than yesterday's strike. But this was a very clear message to the Israeli citizen before the Israeli government that the Palestinians inside the Green Line are the same as the Palestinians in Gaza Strip. For example, I have a family in Gaza, and many of Jaffa residents have family in Gaza. And we are one people, one nation, and we want to erase our identity, the Palestinian identity. Despite that the police is acting cruel and is all over the city, they spread their officers all over the city, and they're terrorizing the people of Jaffa from last week. I asked the same questions as I asked Rami to Aya, who is from Lud. She's a board member of Zogrot. She explained us about the situation of Lud in the previous podcast episode, and here is her short update. Hi, Crystal. Um, yesterday was the strike, and as I know, it was very successful. The group of the activists, women, worked with the people in their uh, neighborhoods and with the kids, for sure. Now, the situation is that there is fake silence. It's like nothing happened a few days ago, but the settlers are still in lead. They are still with their uh, weapons, and the soldiers also are still there. People are waiting. It's, it, it didn't end. And now we have a lot of arrested guys from Led. So we are trying to support them and their families. The group of the activists women went now to, to support the families and these uh, guys. Wasim Tahboub is a veterinarian from Jerusalem who joined the strike on the 18th of May and went out to protest in Jerusalem. I saw a video on his Facebook from the Damascus Gate area where people were holding a peaceful rally and all of a sudden it was disturbed by Israeli police aggression. 
and I asked him to tell us what happened in Jerusalem and what is the situation there right now. I am Wasim. I am from Jerusalem. I'm a vet. And uh, yeah, I come from the one of the most complicated cities in the world. For yesterday, it was uh, Tuesday, it was a strike on 18th of May. And the strike was for the Palestinians protesting the Israeli acts and attacks on everywhere, basically on Palestinians, in Gaza, in Jerusalem, in Al-Aqsa Mosque, in, in, in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood. The ethnic cleansing, all these acts towards Palestinians with apartheid and all of this. And I believe in human rights, basic human rights. I believe in uh, freedom of speech. I believe in freedom to express your uh, feelings, your opinions. That's what was yesterday. So for the strike yesterday, all the Palestinians didn't go to work. They stopped all of their uh, normal uh, life, basically, into going to protest against the Israeli regime. And I was one of them. So what happened is that we had demonstration in Damascus Gate, or actually a protest, let's say which was a peaceful one, which was just chanting. We were just in Damascus Gate. There was a couple of hundreds of people just in Damascus Gate expressing their opinions, chanting to, for the stop of the acts of the Israelis against the Palestinians, to stop the war, stop uh, all this evicting the, the houses, the ethnic cleansing in, in, in Sheikh Jarrah. And uh, I was there with them. And, of course, one very sensitive, let's say, topic or uh, act is to hold your flag, the flag of Palestine. You believe in Palestine. You are Palestinian. You believe in the idea of having your own freedom out of this occupation because nobody accepts any occupation in any of the world. So just while chanting and all of this, a couple of Palestinians just raised the Palestinian flag in the Damascus Gate. And of course, the Israeli occupation, they have a law, and especially in Jerusalem, that they are actually enforcing, against anyone who is uh, having the Palestinian flag raised, even if it's in their private homes, and they can go to prison for three years just for raising a flag of Palestine. It's not a flag of anything, I don't know, it's already a state that is recognized, but you go to prison for three years if you just raise your raise the Palestinian flag, which is basically your nationality, it's your identity it's your everything it's like frustrating eventually this is already happening for multiple years and uh, and just a couple of people just raised a couple of flags in this uh, demonstration and of course the police started throwing bombs sound bombs they started shooting at us with uh, rubber bullets i was there we take some videos and of course all of the media was there and you can always find the videos if you look for it eventually um yeah we had to run away and uh, the idea of this protest is that, okay, we will start from Damascus Gate because Damascus Gate is one of the symbols of the city where everyone loves this place. Everyone is attached to this place. They have some memories. And then from there, we start to go and march towards the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, which is one of the big issues that's happening around in Jerusalem now by ethnic cleansing to the people who are living there for multiple and multiple years. And the Israelis are now just taking their houses, stealing it. Yeah, so we didn't even manage to march. So because just when they raised a couple of flags, the Israelis just started having the sound bombs, the rubber bullets. We had to run for our lives, basically, not to get hit. I was there with my friends, my people, like my family as well. And everybody just dispersed, went in different directions. And then we just ran away towards the direction of Sheikh Jarrah because that is the plan, is that everyone will come and protest in Sheikh Jarrah. 
again, protesting all of these Israeli acts. What we did afterwards is that we went to Shajara. We were like few people, and then, of course, the number uh, increased. Not to forget to mention the water tank, the uh, smelly water tank. They call it skunk, just like the animal, because it's very, very smelly, and they start throwing it at people. So when we moved to Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, police were much more there. There was these, these special forces, the military, the police, the water tank, and they just went as well on the other side. And in that place, in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, we didn't have anyone raising any flag. There was absolutely no one threatening the Israeli side, the Israeli police, the Israeli heavily armed soldiers. The people were just chanting that we are not accepting this and, uh, you know, like, Viva Palestine and all of this. It was nothing to, as well, incite any kind of act towards these Israelis as much as we are protesting what is happening. We don't agree. We are not. Because, anyways, I lived in Sheikh Jarrah for 27 years before I moved out because, you know, life. And I believe that at some point it will come back to my parents' house very easily that they will get to a point that we will lose our house as well, even though maybe not now, maybe in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years still, this is about being right and being wrong. What, what the Israelis are doing, what the occupation is doing is a very wrong act towards the Palestinians. This is not a normal regime. This is an occupation. So when we were there and people were chanting and so on, all of these armed Israeli soldiers and special forces and police They just huddled up, they started talking, they put on their helmets, and they, without any reason, without any reason, there was no stone thrown at the Israelis, nobody threw anything on the Israelis, nobody even said anything towards them, we're just chanting, we're just protesting, and the Israeli soldiers, police, they started throwing the sound bombs, they started shooting rubber bullets, we we had to run away again. Personally, I was running away and somebody got hit just behind me on his motorcycle, with a rubber bullet. If he didn't get it, I would have got it, which is very terrible. But um, yeah, and of course, so many got, uh, I think, two or three injured from the media was there, from the press. We hear all of this media saying that this is the most uh, democratic state in the whole Middle East. And uh, yeah, that's what we definitely don't agree with. This is not actually true. This is not a fact. This is very misleading. So just protesting, just expressing your feelings, just telling what you agree with and what you don't agree with, it's already putting us, putting me in danger for my life. Why? Because I am expressing it, which is just the most basic human right that anyone should have in anywhere in the world. And that's what we don't have. So basically, that's my story. It's nothing much, but uh, it's just the concept. It's very, very, very frustrating, very disappointing. In the podcast episode about hiking and climbing in Palestine two weeks ago, you could hear Sanat from Nablus, who has a great passion for hiking and climbing and loves joining hikes. He goes every weekend all over the West Bank. But on his Instagram, I saw the devastating news that his cousin had been killed during a protest near Nablus. This is his account of what happened in Nablus in the last days. 
I will start my story from the beginning when the Israeli government established a settlement near my village in 1998 and they built a big street, cut off a lot of land for our farmer here in my village and they put a lot of obstacles to try to cross it and they make this road for settlement only no Palestinian can cross it and or can use it before three days a lot of youth go out from my village and to make a protest against what occupation do in Sheikh Jarrah and in Jerusalem and also in uh, Gaza and they're trying to go near the settlement street and they faces a lot of soldiers, Israeli soldiers near the street and they try to throw the stones and to make the voice loud like Palestine will be free and other signs but unfortunately Israeli soldier shot my cousin in his heart and he's died he was dreaming for a lot of dream like he want to be a groom and uh, he want to make a family and all the time he said for me Sanada will be murder I said for him why he said for me because it's not choice here to be murder it's happened something it's happening suddenly maybe if you are walking on the street if you are running or if you are in your home also like what happening in Gaza and like what happening in uh, other places here in Palestine nothing safe no place is safe here for me all the time I thinking about him and uh, they don't make anything danger for the soldier with his stone because Israeli soldiers have a lot of shields and have a lot of weapon they just to make a protest to make the voice loud trying to keep the word hear us and what Israeli occupation do but he's died and uh, I think his message will continue for a lot of youth, a lot of friends to keep fighting and struggling against this occupation and the action of this. He just dreaming like a Palestinian, he just dreaming for to be safe and live like other youth. <laughs> الجلال والجمال والسناء والبهاء في رباك في رباك والحياة والنجاة والهناء والرجاء في
All around the world, there have been many protests in support of the Palestinian struggle for justice and against the colonization, the oppression and the violence that they are suffering. We've seen photos and videos from literally all over the world. And in many countries, there were several demonstrations in different cities and towns. It's very important to join existing initiatives and to listen to the call from the Palestinians themselves of how you can support their struggle. One of the women I met in Palestine a few years ago has decided to spend her time outside the parliament in Warsaw in Poland to protest, educate and connect people on a very personal level. Hi, my name is Alina and I am talking to you from under Polish Parliament in Warsaw. I'm just a mother of two and together with my husband, we've been in Palestine. We visited the country because I wanted to reach my roots because my father is Palestinian. And we just fell in love with Palestinian people and how beautiful the country is. And seeing what is happening now and the huge injustice that is on the ground and we are here. In Europe, we're not being given the truth and it's very dangerous that the occupation is being normalized. In all of this, I just could not stay anymore at home and I dumped everything, which is my job. I uh, asked my husband if he could take care of our two girls. You know what? I was so scared to come here alone, but I talked with other Polish activists who are doing a lot of stuff on other grounds and they encouraged me to give it a try. And also I replied to the Palestinian call, precisely have listened to the excellent Frank Barat interview with a couple of people, including Fairuz Sharkawi from Jerusalem. And I thought that we are trying everything here in Poland. We are doing interviews. We're writing about the situation in Poland. We're, we're doing BDS. And still we need to step up the pressure. And because the escalation is so huge, I cannot stand being at home anymore. And I just thought that even if I'm going to be alone, I want to come here. And I am amazed how you can see people want to share their solidarity So I have visitors coming here. I had the parliamentarians from the Polish-Palestinian group come here and I could learn how much they are trying to do. And I think joining forces together will bring a bigger impact. So we must never hesitate in face of huge injustice and violence and war crimes to speak out because we need to fight for a better future. It gives me courage to see that people are rising around the world as well. And let's show the Palestinians that they are not alone. That's a very important call voiced by Alina in Poland. Maybe by the time that you hear this podcast, there is a ceasefire. That would mean that for the time being, there's no bombs and no rocket fire. But it doesn't mean that the violence is over. As you could hear in the previous podcast episode, The violence started in 1947 and 1948 when Zionist militias started with the ethnic cleansing of Palestine and this process has never stopped. It has taken different shapes and ways. And a good book to read is by that exact name, The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine, written by the Israeli historian Ilan Pape. He had access to the military archives and he researched how the 1948 war was not a war, but a very well-prepared plan to remove as many of the native people of Palestine 
as possible. And that has been at the cradle of the birth of the state of Israel. And that is how the state has grown into an entity that is based on institutionalized racism, discrimination, the aim of colonizing land. Many of the colonizers, the settlers as they are usually called, are armed. And when they use their weapons against Palestinians, they are hardly ever punished. The Israeli police does not protect the Palestinian citizens of its state. And this is very scary and very dangerous. The settlers have a higher goal, and for some it is a divine goal, to remove the Arab population from the land. And these days we see that they are serious about it. I think we've all heard the myth that there was a land without people for a people without land. My personal reflection after living here for over 10 years is slightly different. Israel wants the land without its people. Please educate yourselves more on this topic. There are many interesting books and films, and I will leave a few links in the show notes to make it easier for you to learn more. Thank you for listening. If you subscribe or follow Stories from Palestine podcast on your podcast player, you'll get a notification the next time I publish a new episode. You can also sign up for the mailing list so that you get the new episode in your mailbox. And follow Stories from Palestine on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, where I have been posting photos, videos and articles. And this podcast can only exist with the support of the listeners. So if you want to make a donation, then I would really appreciate it. For that, I use the Ko-fi platform that makes it easy for you to buy me a cup of coffee. All the links can be found in the show notes or go to storiesfrompalestine.info. No, no, no.